It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter, L-O Thunderpod. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, I am joined by Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports and Celticsblog.com to discuss the wacky NBA offseason that we really know nothing about to this point. But Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. It's uh, yeah, we we don't know anything about what's <laughs> going on other than we know the NBA draft is uh, is November 18th, and uh, that's about the extent of what we know to this point. Uh, the rest, it's uh, it's a hurry up and wait time for about a couple weeks now. So I'm starting to get a little antsy. So we did have you on before to talk about the Disney World bubble, which which you kind of cultivated a little bit on Yahoo Sports. Did it go exactly how you planned the, the Disney World fiasco, the bubble? Uh, not, um, I wouldn't say exactly as I planned. I think it kind of, in a lot of ways, went better than, than I wow. thought it would. I thought they, um, you know, the fact that they had no positive tests among NBA personnel um, for COVID is absolutely remarkable. Um, they they finished right. They crowned a champion. That was the whole goal of the entire thing. And the games I thought were really good. I thought they were played at a very high level and you know extremely enjoyable. So so yeah, all, all around I think it was a um, you know but better uh, than expected experience for finishing out this season. And it's interesting you say that. I want to know from from your perspective because watching it at home, it, it just you're right. The games felt big even the playoffs with the crowd they, they felt important and it felt like we did have uh more competitive games than you would have expected and the series were a lot better is that just due to no travel or you know the the atmosphere being the same everywhere you go what do you think contributed to the fact that we did see so many stars just kind of pop up out of nowhere like a jamal murray lou dort had big games Tyler hero had big games is that just what would have happened anyway or do you think that it helped with no travel no fans and things like that yeah, um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I think the biggest part was the no travel. It, it's such a grind to to do the travel, especially as you get um later into those series where sometimes you know the teams aren't really all that close, um, and you're kind of playing every other day, and then you're traveling on the in between days. I think that was probably the single biggest key, as a lot of these guys said is. You know, because there were no fans and there wasn't the huge media crush like you usually have, um, they would finish a game at, you know, let's call it 1030, 11, 1130 Eastern, finish up all their media obligations and be back to their hotel by midnight where normally that's about the time you're leaving the stadium or the arena. And then you're headed to, um, 
you know, the airport to get on a plane and, you know, take a, you know, long plane flight somewhere. So, so I think, I think that is such a huge factor and it's interesting because there are a lot of um, uh, people who are saying this is while, you know, a bubble is not realistic to re- to ever do again. Though the cutting down on the travel is something that the NBA may be you know seriously looking into. Is how do we make this happen? Because one of the things I've heard from players is playing every other day isn't the grind it feels like if you're not having to fly all over the country in between those days. So that's something I think they're going to seriously take a look at. And how feasible would that be? I mean, we understand that the playoff revenue is a ton for owners. And I mean, we see uh, even in small markets, Oklahoma City packing the house for every playoff game. And if they're the lower seed, would you just every higher seed gets every single home game? Or how would you do that to make everyone happy? Is, is there even a way to make everyone happy if you were to cut down on travel in the postseason? Yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily um, feasible in the postseason. Um, I think that kind of is what what it is, unless you're going to really change the structure of series. If you did something like, all right, well, you know, um, Oklahoma City's playing the Lakers and, you know, games one and two are in L.A. And then you take two days off and then you play games three and four in, in Oklahoma City. Then you take two days off. You know, if you did it like that. I guess maybe you could, you know, influence some. I'm hearing more on the regular season side where it might be, you know, rather than than an East Coast team making two West Coast trips um, a year or vice versa, what you end up doing is you'll go out there, you'll, um, you know, maybe make one long one and play a bunch of games and then have it kind of, um, you know, divvied up from there. Yeah, that, that would make sense to me. And, and as we look into next season, of course, they still need to agree upon a CBA. And, you know, it seems like, just from what I've been reading, that the salary cap itself will stay the exact same as it was this season for the next two seasons. Is that accurate? Is that what you're hearing as well? What are we looking at with this new CBA? Yeah, I hesitate to say it's accurate because we don't know, um, but it's accurate that that is what the expectation is of most around the league. Most around the league now are looking at them keeping the salary cap flat or relatively flat to what it is this season, which is a just over $109 million. Um, because what that does is that that um, doesn't unfairly penalize anybody who's a free agent this year by really dropping the cap. It also doesn't penalize teams that have been you know planning and setting things up in a certain way. And it also in the future avoids if and when things get back to normal, a you know, big giant cap spike, which we saw create all kinds of issues for teams across the league. So one of the things that they're really looking at is, all right, a flat cap. And then what I'm hearing is the luxury tax um, projection for for the 20, the 2020-21 season, or I'll just say 2021 season, <laughs> um, it was, was $139 million. You may see a flat cap but then the tax line still be planned at that number. That way you're not unfairly penalizing teams that weren't expecting to be in the tax because they're expecting it to go up, um, nor are you um, uh, limiting player movement by having more teams in the tax than what was expected. So I think that's the compromise that they're ultimately going to reach is a flat cap but a higher tax. But ultimately we'll see that's those are the conversations that the NBA and the MBPA are having right now to try and determine everything. And so it seems like the biggest discussion point right now is when is next season going to start? How are you going to manage the salary cap with the revenue lost? Is there any other big changes you could see from the CBA? Would this be a time in which you would see them implement maybe a full-time plan or things like that? Or is it really just focusing on the near future and getting the, the cap right and getting the, the next season started? 
Yeah, and I want to be clear here because I'm hearing some people say, well, there's a new CBA. There's not a new CBA. This is just a special um, negotiating circumstance here to try and get things set up. Um, new CBA won't come for yet, you know, another two, three years yet. Um, so what we're looking at here is there were a lot of talks of they could add an amnesty clause. It sounds like that one's not happening. That's gone, you know, by, by the wayside. And there were enough teams that are like, no way, we're not letting teams bail themselves out of stupid contracts that they gave out just because of, you know, what happened. You know, everybody, you know, you gave out the dumb deal, you deal with it. The other thing is, um, though, is what you're going to see them do is they're going to artificially set the cap line, as we just kind of talked about, the tax line. You're going to see them work on option and guarantee dates and then some season timing. Um, but those are the real, you know, things I expect to be worked out here. I don't think you're going to see them re-add a play-in in any time um, soon or anything like that. I just think the NBA is really kind of at a um, position where they are – how do I put this? They're moving it forward to to tweak and adjust things within the realm of what they already have versus really kind of blowing everything up and making wide scale changes. That'll come if it comes at all next time they actually renegotiate the entire CBA. So when you look at this offseason, I know that there's still a lot of uncertainty, uh, but just putting with what we know and what we know about these teams going into this offseason, who are you keeping the closest eye on? Who's the most interesting team this offseason? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I tend to, I want to, you know, pick one of the cap space teams. Um, the, the problem is they're all bad. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, I think inherently they're, they're not overly interesting there. I think, um, and I promise I'm not, uh, I'm not doing this just cause I'm on your show here. Um, but I do think Oklahoma city is going to be really interesting. They've got some really big decision points to make, uh, this year as they, they kind of are, um, entering a, a new phase that they haven't been in, um, really kind of ever since they've, they've been in Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's interesting. Um, but, but, you know, for, for the, uh, for the sake of uh, let's be, um, you know, fair to this, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be really interesting to see what they do. I think they've got some trades to work out there as they revamp things around having Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So I think what you're going to see them do is try to get some other veteran players in there around those guys. And that may see, you know, someone like a Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, or maybe even a Spencer Dinwiddie get traded as they kind of retool their roster, moving this thing forward. But, but yeah, that's, um, you know, they're interesting golden state. Um, I know everybody's, you know, like, oh man, those guys are back again, but it's, they, they've, you know, they've got the number two pick in the draft. They have this really big trade exception. You know, they, they're clearly, you know, looking for better health to being a contender again uh, next season. So they're going to be a team to watch. And then the last one out there out there is the Houston Rockets. If they start to get signals of, all right, it's Daryl Morey's gone, Mike D'Antoni's gone, it's time to blow this thing up. Well, then they become inherently interesting because what happens with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, Eric Gordon, and those guys, can they find trades for those players? So before we move into just the Thunder-specific stuff, I want to take a step back for the NBA in general. Where do you expect the NBA to land at? Where do you expect the, the, the start date to be? How many games are we playing? And then could you see what you mentioned before about reducing travel in this next schedule? There's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, there, there definitely is. So I think, you know, I think they're going to start um, the season right around MLK day. Um, there's a lot of sense of that would make, make a lot of, lot of sense for teams um, because there is, 
there, there's a couple things. One, that's become a very special day on the NBA calendar. They play a lot of games. Um, a lot of teams play on Martin Luther King Day. There's games all throughout the day. Um, so that's something the NBA could replicate. Or there is a group that have said, you know, what I think, you know, um, yeah, would make sense is maybe you start a couple of days in advance of that. And then that becomes almost kind of like your uh, pseudo Christmas. So this is, you know, our big showcase day um, and those kind of things. So I think you're going to see it start right around there. What my favorite thing is, well, what I would like to see them do is I would like to see them do the, um, the 8, 8 PM Eastern window. Let that be Memphis versus Atlanta which I think are two fun up and coming teams and clearly two cities that are very, um, uh, you know, tied to um, Dr. King. I think that would be, you know, interesting. And then the nightcap, you know, do Clippers, Lakers or something, the Lakers get their rings and that that's how you open the season. And then everybody else can open the next day, kind of like flick it is normally and play it out. So I think that's when it's going to start. I think you're going to see it be compressed a little bit because they're not going to want to push too deep into the summer. They learned um, very clearly that going too deep into the, um, into the, the summer is, um, that, that doesn't work for TV, even in these pandemic times. People aren't sitting around watching TV in the summertime like, like they do in the middle of the winter. So they're going to push, you know, a little bit that way um, to to get things uh, condensed. So you see some of the back-to-backs come back, maybe some of the four and fives and those kind of things. And then with the travel part of it, I think for those East and West Coast teams, I think you'll see them make one trip and then it'll be a really condensed, this is your one road trip. You knock out a bunch of games and then you might see even uh, kind of I don't want to call them bubbles but like regional schedules where it's like you fly in you play all the teams in the northeast together at the same time get that that wiped out and then off you go yeah that, that's a, that makes a lot of sense to me I mean it, it reminds me a little bit of what happens at division two where you, you you know get grouped with a certain travel partner and then you both go to your destinations together and one place on one day the next one place on the next day and, and you kind of just make that round robin trip that way you're knocking out those long distant road trips all in one swoop that makes a lot of sense I'm very excited to see and I know you are too about the salary cap and the schedule but coming up I do want to talk about the thunder and what this season this offseason will mean for the thunder and th- their rebuild that's coming up at the break but first I want to tell you about our good friends over at built go built go makes you the best you at whatever you do you can break through your wall with built go whether that's a mental or physical wall break through with go every day it's an easy to take one and a half ounce packet to put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever to put in your golf bag to power through the back nine or to put in your pocket to get through the day built go is the best workout gel on the market it's five hour energy without the same crash feeling plus it's natural so it's better for your body it's like drinking monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results they have three delicious flavors they have peanut butter honey chocolate coconut and they have chocolate mint built go combines energy with collagen protein collagen protein is a fast absorbing and it gets into your system very quickly plus it's easy on your stomach built go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work built go kicks in and keeps you going strong collagen promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health so it literally makes you look better Visit BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCK to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK to get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So we're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am Rylan Stiles, joined by Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports. And Keith, you mentioned that the Thunder are one of the most interesting teams this offseason. They are going to head towards their first rebuild. Since moving to Oklahoma City, they've had one outright losing season, and that was their first ever year in Oklahoma City, which netted them back James Harden. And as you know, whenever you get a new professional sports team in your city, no one cares about the record per se. It's just awesome to have a team here. And then quickly after that, the Thunder started winning. So the Thunder fans have never really experienced this yet. They did all their tanking mm-hmm. in Seattle. So <laughs> you, you head into this offseason. Is Gallinari, that's someone I'm very interested in, is Gallinari, you mentioned that the teams with cap space right now are all bad teams. And he said this week that his priority is a championship. He's not 20 anymore. Is Gallinari's only hope to live up to that quote a sign-and-trade? Yeah, probably. Um could he take the mid-level exception from a team that's, you know, a real title contender? Absolutely. You know, if a team wants to give him their full mid-level exception at 9.3 uh, you know, million or so, sure. You know, maybe that is the direction he goes. I just don't – I think he's worth more than that. So I think what you're going to see him do is push for some form of sign-and-trade. And I think for the Thunder side of it, it's, sure, we're amenable to that. Give us draft picks, young players um, with talent to – those kind of things and that all starts to to make a lot of sense or if you wanted to do Gallinari for a um, player with a little more questionable money well then you're gonna pay us a little bit more to um, take that on in terms of young players and draft picks or extra draft picks or however they they put it together I, I think I think that is probably the likely path forward then if that doesn't develop then is really the only option is to go and sign somewhere for the mid-level exception then take you know that hit in the pay but you know be on a contender because because they're just you know the teams that have cap space right now I'm only projecting there to be definitely four teams and they're all pretty bad Atlanta Charlotte New York and Detroit Um, I don't think he's a fit on any of those teams I don't think he makes sense for them and then Phoenix and Miami Phoenix that could get a little interesting and they could pay him, you know, 15, 16 million without a lot of worry. Miami, I think they could have cap space, but I think they're, they're kind of going to resign their own guys plan for a big um, splash in the summer of 2021. So they're not going to lock into any sort of long-term deal. So unless Phoenix comes calling, which I kind of like that fit, I think that could be, you know, a lot of fun for him there. I think that's a team that's ready to step up and start winning. I just don't know that they're exactly the, the true title contender that he wants to play for. Yeah, and Miami had a deal in place for Gallinari, but once Mm -hmm. they started talking to him about his contract situation, they let it fall through because they didn't want to interfere with that that chase of a Giannis or a big fish on the open market in next year's class. And you talked to us before on the show about Chris Paul, and the narrative around Chris Paul kind of shifted after after we talked about it, and you mentioned how you're hearing that He's going to get assets back for Oklahoma City. The, the Thunder are not going to have to attach anything to him. He has proven that this season. Yep. What are you looking at for the Thunder to get back for Chris Paul, and where is it going to be? Because it seems like every day there's a new team hopping in the fray of wanting <laughs> Chris Paul. And I think that Thunder fans are kind of settled that 
you know, Kevin Knox would, would be would be someone you can get back. And maybe if the Lakers get desperate, Kyle Kuzma. But what, what are you hearing and, and where are you at just personally uh, of what you think the Thunder could or should get back for Chris Paul and, and what makes sense for him? Well, goodness, I hope it's more than Kevin Knox. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, Kevin Knox fan. But, you know, yeah, if it's Kevin Knox and the eighth pick and a future pick from the Knicks and those kind of things, all right, sure. Because cause here, here's the thing with Chris Paul. Turned in a fantastic season. You know, clearly played very, very well. Um, but I think the challenging part is it's not so much about this coming season and the 41.4 million or so that he's owed. It's that 44 million in the next year. It's unfortunately we have seen small guards. They just, they fall off a cliff. They, they can be good one year and then really bad the next. So all of a sudden you could be looking at that 21, 22 money of 44.2 million being really bad money on your books. And that could really mess you up going forward and those kind of things. That said, right now, his value is good young player, draft pick, some combination, something like that. I know, yo, I think that I'm not breaking any news here because I think everybody knows the Lakers would love to have him. The challenge for the Lakers is finding the matching salary because they're going to be over the cap. So you're going to have to do Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, probably Kyle Kuzma is the player there. Maybe a draft pick. Draft picks are hard because they already sent picks out for Anthony Davis. So that would be kind of kind of the trade you're you're looking at there of you know kind of piling together a whole bunch of salaries to go get Chris Paul. That's not bad for OKC because even if they take in a bunch of guys in the offseason, remember you could have up to 20 players on your roster, even if they take in a bunch of guys and then they wait, like let's say they took on a Quinn Cook at $3 million and then just waived him, $3 million of dead money for one year in their books, no big deal because they're, they're not really, it seems like prioritizing doing all that much this coming season. So that's not a big deal. But what becomes the challenge is if you have to take on money past this year, um, that becomes a little bit of an issue. And can a team like the Lakers get enough together in the terms of young talent um, or uh, draft picks to be able to make it happen? Do they have to bring in a third team? That's where it gets interesting. The Knicks can clearly offer, you know, some, some young players, you know, Kevin Knox, you know, maybe you could talk them into RJ Barrett. I don't, think so but maybe you could convince them that that's the direction to go um there and those kind of things so they could deliver you know some uh, some salaries um for some other guys that are only one year lasting so i think what you're looking for is um just because of the matching salary piece is big contracts but only for one year um that that are off the books after this coming season young young talent and draft picks so that that's what the thunder i think can reasonably expect back in a chris paul trade I'll tell you, Keith, I'm so glad I had you on the show, and it's fitting that you're gonna, the show's going to come out on Friday because that just got Thunder fans very excited because I've been someone who's tried to temper expectations a little bit around Chris Paul because in a year's time, you went from the worst contract in sports and you have to attach <laughs> some of your picks to him just to get rid of him. And I was someone who thought that, you know, for the next trade, you'd get Julius Randle, who, who you can easily yep. flip at the deadline, you would assume. You would get Kevin Knox as a flyer pick, and then maybe you could talk yourself into the, the Knicks giving you up their 27th pick from the Clippers. But throwing out the eighth pick and throwing out possibly R.J. Barrett, I mean, that, that's got me smiling. I cannot wait to see what, what Chris Paul can get back. 
Yeah, I don't think R.J. Barrett would happen. You know, that would have to. <laughs> yeah. that would be the uh, old, you know, dumb necks. You know, this is a new front office, so I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to do that. But yeah, you could get a Julius Randle, who's you know not a bad player, could certainly help this coming season, and you know, another guy who could be traded fairly easily, I would think. Uh, you know, Kevin Knox, and then yeah, I think the eighth pick is in play because I think that's how well Chris Paul played. Plus, think about it if from from the Knicks perspective. Now, when you're going into the summer 2021, because they could still get Chris Paul and work it to have max cap space for another max free agent, you're not pitching, you know, come here and then we'll go get the second guy. You're pitching it as we've already got Chris Paul. You know, so now it's you and Chris Paul, and then, you know, we'll fill out the roster with X, Y, and Z, and, you know, off we go. That That's a more, um, you know, reasonable thing to any free agent than, you know, than the, uh, you know, we'll get you, and hypothetically, we'll go get, you know, this other guy, too, because that, that I think, really starts to become, all right, is that going to kind of happen? Um, you know, I don't think Chris Paul is in the position where it is, you know, multiple first round picks and multiple young players mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the kind of Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard package. That's not going to happen um, or not Kawhi Leonard, Paul George rather. Um, those aren't going to happen, but I still think you could get uh, something that you'll feel really good about and be excited about going forward um, in terms of young players, draft picks. And then, then that, of course, that, you know, all important salary relief uh, moving forward and in, into the 21-22 season. You know, I, I don't think you had to correct yourself there because Clippers fans have talked themselves into justifying the Paul George trade by saying it was for Kawhi Leonard. So you technically got it right there. But yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, in there's some truth into that. You know, they, they had to do that if they wanted to get Kawhi. But but yeah, uh, let, let's just say I think the Thunder did pretty well in that <laughs> trade. Um, you know, I'm going to be nice to, to, to any Clippers fans who, who, for whatever reason, are listening to Locked on Thunder. Maybe, maybe they, they, they just want to bring the pain into their lives. But yeah, the, the the Thunder did really well for themselves in that Paul George trade. So one more thing on Chris Paul, you mentioned the Lakers being kind of a clunky trade fit. The team that I view as a very awkward trade fit, because I, I don't know what would be given up and what the Thunder would get back for Chris Paul is Milwaukee. Where do you see Milwaukee fitting into all this? Would they be a team that would have to have a third team to make it worthwhile? Yeah, that one is tough because I don't know. You 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 kind of hit the nail on the head. I don't know what the Bucks give back to to the Thunder. That that makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's not Giannis. Clearly, it's not Chris Middleton. Um, it's not going to be um Brooke Lopez. Eric Bledsoe probably has to be a part of it, but then you probably want to rope in a third team to ship him off to because he just doesn't have a lot of value for OKC. Um, with eighteen million for the the 21-22 season and then a partially guaranteed contract um, for the 22-23 season but maybe if they paid with a pick there and that could be one where Presti's like we'll give us future picks and kind of banks on like Giannis is going to leave anyway and then you're going to be not good um, maybe that's the direction they go. But yeah, it would, it would really have to involve Eric Bledsoe plus, plus, plus just to meet the salary matching. And I don't know that that's a, that becomes then a deal that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense for Milwaukee. So I did want to touch on one more player for the Thunder that I'm very interested in, and that's Dennis Schroeder. And I've been saying all along that his value will never be higher than it is right now. He should have been sixth man of the year. Everyone saw what he could do with Chris Paul. He showed the year prior that he can also still play off ball a little bit. He improved on that this season in that three-guard lineup, and he's on an expiring deal. And there's no such thing as a bad expiring deal in the NBA. That automatically raises your, your stock a little bit. But mix that with him being a six-man-of-the-year type candidate. Is there going to be a market for Dennis Schroeder, and, and what would be his value? 
Um, yeah, he'll have some market. The, the challenge is, um, you know, again, it's going to be finding that team that needs, you know, a point guard or a high end six man. You know, there's always teams that, that could, could use that. I think, think what you could see there is I don't know that that's a trade you see happen right out of the gates in free agency. That might be a week or so in after kind of the dust settles and teams are looking around saying, boy, you know, we really need a point guard or, or somebody can come in and be, be, you know, our, our uh, you know, a high, uh, high, high minute six man, um, you know, for us and those kind of things that could also be one where, where OKC says, you know, Hey, we'll give you Schroeder. We'll take back, you know, not great money, but you also have to give us, you know, young player X or a draft pick too. And then maybe they're like, okay, you know, that makes sense. I think a lot of what we'll start to learn with Sam Presti is, is he looking at this as a, you know, we're going to turn this around within a year, or is this going to be, we're tearing it down and it's going to take a couple years. If they take bad money that goes into the 21, 22 season, that's a signal of this is a couple year rebuild. It's going to take us a little bit of time. And that could be a way to get a, get, um, better assets right now in terms of draft picks and young players because you're eating more money. If it's, I only want to take bad money on this coming season and really have my books cleared up and clean mm-hmm. by 2021, um, then that starts to become, all right, you know, well, what is it there? So I think that's what will guide uh, a shrewder trade more than say somebody like a Chris Paul. So coming up, I still want to talk quickly about the NBA draft and talk about your expectations for the Thunder and the direction that they're going right after this. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ryland Stiles. Joining me is Keith Smith of Yahoo. Keith, I appreciate all of your time today. And I wanted to jump into real quickly the NBA draft. And we're hearing, of course, your Celtics are one of these teams that the teams are trying to trade out of that first round, trying to get out of this first round or move down this first round. Why is that? And is that true? And what are you hearing about this draft? Yeah, so there's a few things that are going on. Um, The draft is considered to be fairly deep with good players, you know, guys who will be rotation players in the NBA. But what it is not a deep in is high end talent. So, so that that's, uh, you know, kind of challenge number one is, is, um, you know, are there teams that really want to look to move up? I think it's going to be more situational of geez, the guy we like is there now he's in with within range of a trade up for us. So, you know, we'll put these things together. Um, the Celtics, yeah, they've got three first round picks, not great picks, 14, 26 and 30. Um, you know, 14 is not bad. The, the, the combined value, if you use one of those draft pick charts of those is somewhere between eight and 10. So that probably makes sense if you were to put all three of them together. Um, but I think they would only move up if there was a, you know, this is a guy we really like. The other thing is, you know, what they could do is they could take like the 30th pick and put that together with a couple players and say, Hey, we're going to trade this out because we're, we want to shed some salary. They want to get under the salary cap where a team like Oklahoma city could come in, which gets interesting is they've got a couple of trade exceptions. I don't think they're going to be using those to add talent to the roster uh, this off season, but if they wanted to eat a contract from Boston in exchange to add yet another pick to the, I think the approximately 400 uh, picks they have coming over the next couple of years, um, you know, that, that would be, be a way, 
way to do it, right? They've got the big Paul George trade exception. They've got another one that's just a slightly bit smaller for Jeremy Grant. And then they've got one for Justin Patton as well, which is about 1.6 million. And that one, um, you know, you could fit a guy like uh, Carson Edwards from Boston into that one. You could fit Poirier into the Grant one and still have a bunch of it left over. Um, and then you could, you know, pick up a pick from Boston because while you're not allowed to combine trade exceptions, you can break trades up into, you know, this guy goes into this one, this guy goes into that one, and then you get a draft pick. And that could be a way for the Thunder to, you know, continue to get assets while getting a couple guys who are young, youngish um, to, you know, kind of be upside guys. Because uh, somehow I'm thinking there might be some roster spots to fill in OKC uh, the, this this coming uh, offseason. And, you know, guys like Edwards, Poirier, those, those are kind of, you know, no-cost upside plays because you got paid in terms of the draft pick. So I know we don't have the full picture yet of all the assets Oklahoma City will get back. A lot depends on Gallinari signing trade, Chris Paul. But we pretty much know that they do have Shea, Dort Baisley, and those 14 future first-round picks. And I know you mentioned about not understanding or not knowing where Sam Presti is going to fall on this, and I don't think anyone does right now. But if I made you Sam Presti, would you view this as a quick turnaround, a one- or two-year rebuild? Or would you take your time with it and kind of nurture this rebuild even longer than that? Uh, it, it gets hard to rebuild for much more than two or maybe three years. You have to really convince your fan base to hang in there with you. Um, and, and I'm not, I by no means want to insult the Thunder fans and say that they don't, wouldn't understand or anything like that. Cause I certainly think they would. I think it's just that, 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 that's a hard sell. To, to tell your fans, you know, hey, hang in, hang in here with us, especially like we talked at the top of the show of um, fans that they've never done this before, you know, that they've never been bad. You know, I mean, they, they might, they have the potential. They could, if they make moves in certain ways, be the worst team in the league next year. Not necessarily the worst thing. There's a kid playing right down the road at, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, uh, Cade Cunningham, who, you know, a lot of people think could be the number one overall pick. And that, you know, being in the mix for him, not the worst thing in the world, right? So I think what you're really looking at is it's probably, it, well, let me go back. You asked me if it was me. I would make it a two. I'd really say this is a two-year rebuilding project. I would be willing to take money into 2021 because I don't know that having really clean books there is a benefit in terms of signing a free agent. I just don't know that they're that destination and are going to be at that point in in their rebuild just yet. Um, But then I would want to have it kind of clear going into 2022 um, with the idea of art. By then, you know, Hopefully, uh, um, SGA has become, you know, an all-star level player. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, Baisley has developed a little bit more. Um, Dort is, you know, well, whatever he is by that point, whoever we drafted. And we're feeling pretty good that by the summer of 2022, now we're ready to start adding pieces and start making a playoff push again. That's exactly what I've been saying, that, that you know, these next two draft classes, you know, you talk to people who just are so entrenched in the draft – they're viewed as very, very high, and some call them like historic draft classes filled with talent. You, you have all these picks. You tank for two years. You bottom out for these two years, and you still develop your young players like Shea and Dorton Baisley and then your draft picks. And then you're ready to kind of just restart this whole process, go back to the Thunder U days where you make the playoffs, then you take that first step on the staircase, then you go deeper in the playoffs, and then you're that fun young team again that you once were with Harden and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and you try to duplicate that. Obviously, easier, easier said than done, but that is the model and the plan, I think, for Oklahoma City. Take on as, as much salary as you need to because you're not going to land a, a free agent in Oklahoma City and get as many assets as you can to – get this rebuild over with in, in one or two years, uh, probably close to that two or three year mark. And, and you're right. I think that Oklahoma city, 
and, and Oklahoma as a state will continue to support the Thunder. So they have that going for them. And also they have one of the best GMs in the sport. So that, so that will help as well in this rebuild. But there are also two other teams that people view as a very bright future. And you mentioned Memphis at the top of the show. New Orleans just hired Stan Van Gundy and then Oklahoma City. How would you rank those three teams moving forward? I know with Oklahoma City, it's a lot harder to get with them because they have all these picks, but we don't know what they're going to turn into yet. Whereas with New Orleans, you know, they have Zion and John and Memphis. But where would you rank the future of these three organizations? I'm a little bit more sold on New Orleans. I, I think um, Zion and Brandon Ingram, that's a you know, duo that is probably going to get you to being a playoff team maybe as soon as this coming season. Um, and then I trust that David Griffin will make the right moves to give Stan Van Gundy the talent he needs to get them there. Um, I would put Memphis next um, because I really like John Morant and Jaron Jackson. I think um, Taylor Jenkins is a really good coach as well. So I th- think that they are well positioned um, to set things up. The only reason I put Oklahoma City last, and it's it's like 1A one, one and 1B, um, where you made me pick between three really tough teams, is just there's so much unknown. We don't know, you know, with any of this stuff. You know, we don't know what those uh, Clippers picks are going to become or the Rockets picks or whatever they do this offseason. You know, give me uh, – you know, let's have this conversation a year from now, and they may be a lot higher on my list because if we are a year from now and Kawhi and Paul George said, eh, this Clippers thing was fun, but we're headed off somewhere else, all of a sudden OKC starts, you know, jumping, you know, uh, you know, spots and spots because it, um, you know, all of a sudden those draft picks look a heck of a lot more valuable than they already look today. So I can't let you get out of here. The fans would kill me if I didn't ask you about the direction of the Thunder coaching hire as we wait out Sam Presti and, and everyone is passing the Thunder by hiring their coach. Do you have any <laughs> leaning or thought on the direction the Thunder should go at, for their next head coach? Yeah, I want to see them. I, I know, you know, they took a chance with Billy Donovan as a kind of unproven coach. They, they did that before with Scott Brooks, but I think, you know, they had success with those guys. I'd like to see them go that direction again. Um, not necessarily unproven, but I think a guy like Kenny Atkinson for where they're headed, they're, they're going to kind of be, I like to call it um rebuilding slash diamond mining mode where, you know, maybe they're taking on, you know, kind of these undervalued guys. Think about, think about the guys, um, uh, Atkinson had a lot of success with in Brooklyn, like Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. These guys were afterthoughts, end of the NBA bench type of guys. Um, more maybe they were G League or even headed overseas type players, and now they're you know good quality rotation players who who are going to be paid commensurately. So so I like Atkinson and what he can do there um, with with players like that. I think he would make a lot of sense with the Thunder. Um, if not, um, you know one of the uh, the the assistant coaches um, that's out there, like a David Vanterpool or somebody like that. I think those are the kind of guys who make a lot of sense. I, I don't know that hiring a proven veteran coach makes a lot of sense for where the franchise is going. And I don't think it necessarily aligns with the vision that Sam Presti has either. So you do a great job covering the off season and the, and the salary cap. You have that amazing Google spreadsheet, which is so helpful for everyone. And I just want to give you a chance to talk about that and also just project, when do you think we'll see these trades and transactions happen? I know that that is almost your favorite part of the NBA season. So when do you think we're going to get back to making these transactions and how quickly will this new ex- extension or exception to the CBA be signed? 
Man, I want to say today, um, but I don't think it's going to be. I know teams are hope. They were hoping by the end of this week that that they would lift the transaction moratorium and at least allow them to start to do that. But the challenge is they can't do that if they don't. Um, if they're not in a uh, position to know what the salary cap is going to be for the next season, because teams aren't going to make trades without that clarity coming in. You know, and the, even if it was a you know really good estimate, which is what they usually have at the draft, and it comes in within a million dollars or so of that estimate most years anyway. So I think that's what, what we're waiting on. I was talking to a team yesterday that told me, um, you know, we're really hopeful now by the beginning of next week, they'll do that. That'll open up the transaction moratorium and allow us to start looking at trades that can happen around the draft because we're really only about three, three weeks or so out from the draft at the start of next week. So that's where teams are really saying, you know, we got to get this thing moving because otherwise it's going to be way too tight and way too condensed and there's going to be too much kind of happening all at once. So, so I, th- I think probably, you know, maybe a week from now, you know, th- things are, things are open back up and we can see that. And then the big clear stuff will happen after the draft, but that's like a normal year anyway, as the league year changes over. So Keith, thank you so much for joining the show again. This has been awesome. Let them know where they can find you on Twitter and all your work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Um, that's um, pre- pretty active on there. Maybe a little too active for some, um, but but I promise it's mostly off season uh, related now, which is a little bit more league wide focus versus so uh, Boston Celtics focus. Um, you can find my written work at Yahoo Sports, Real GM, and Celtics blog if you're looking for any kind of Celtics specific coverage. Thanks, Keith, again for joining. This was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Y'all stay safe for you and yours. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.